Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Well, good morning. Good to see you all here today. Appreciate you being here. We're in week number three of our 40 Days of Prayer Spiritual Growth Campaign. And uh, in the sermons, we're looking at the concept of close encounters with God. Uh, the idea of meeting God face to face. That concept is uh, given to us in Exodus 33, 11. It says, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. And so this is our goal for this series, for this, uh, this campaign, uh, that in our relationship with God, in your relationship with God, that it would become intimate, uh, close, personal, uh, even face to face. And this may be a new concept uh, to you. Uh, maybe like me, uh, you grew up in a fairly formal church setting, and, and when you prayed to God, you actually would change the way you talked. Uh, you would speak with a British accent, <laughs> and you would say thee and thou, and put an F on the end of all your verbs, and uh, you know, when you talked to God, it, it wasn't like talking to a friend. And yet, when you look in Scripture, we realize that God desires a close intimate relationship with me, with you. It, it, it's, it's sometimes a little uncomfortable. You know, you may be thinking, uh, well, God, I love you, I really do, but I'm not really that close to him. You might say, you know, you know God, God knows you, but you're here and God is there and there's some distance uh, between you. You would not call it a face-to-face -face relationship. And so what we're really trying to do in this 40 days of prayer is lead you through encounters, lead you through a process where God begins to feel close. Uh, as a church, one of the strategic plans that we have for you is to get you uh, to the point where you can truly know God in a personal way. And you might say, well, you know, Pastor, you're, you're setting the bar too high there. I mean, I'm not Moses. Uh, nobody's made a, life, a movie of my life. And... Uh, uh, I'm not Moses. So it's not just an Old Testament concept. Today I want you to look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And Paul is writing here. He says, whenever though they, and the they there is the church. The they there is you and me. Whenever they turn to face God as Moses did. When you decide that you want to remove the distance, that, that you want to uh, have that barrier taken away, uh, it says that God removes the veil, and there they are face to face. So if you make a move toward God, if, if you move to meet God face to face, it says they, you and me, suddenly recognize that God is a living personal presence not a piece of chiseled stone. A living personal presence. That's, that's what I want for you. And when God is personally present, a living spirit, that old constricting legislation, and, and there, I, you know, Paul was concerned about the Jewish law, and for us, I would replace that word legislation with the word religion. The, the old uh, 
I've got to do this out of duty. I, I don't really enjoy this, but I have to do it. Uh, that kind of uh, concept, that old religion, is recognized as obsolete. We're free of it, all of us. Nothing between us and God. Our faces shining with the brightness of his face. Notice that, that the closer you get to God, the more clearly you see God, uh, the more you start looking like God. Uh, the same was true for Moses. You know, the glory of the Lord uh, was reflected in him. It says, so we are transfigured, much like the Messiah. Jesus Christ was transfigured. His glory was, was made known. And so we're transfigured, we're transformed, we're changed to become more and more like Christ. And this is where Christianity uh, becomes lots of fun. Because uh, maybe I'm not where I should be, but I'll tell you, folks, I'm not where I used to be. And the same is true for you. I'm hearing it. You know, and my dream is, is that you would be around Rockbook long enough that you would get plugged into what we do here deep enough that you would be able to say, God's not finished with me yet, but he has certainly done a work in my life. I have, I'm being transformed. I'm being changed. Our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. And the goal of these encounters is not just for our personal enjoyment or even personal amazement. The, the goal of these encounters is, is that I become more and more like Jesus Christ, that it changes who I am. Now, last week I told you that in, in this process and in these encounters, you can't really put God into a box. God's going to encounter you uh, the way that he wants to. The method of the encounter is not always the same. Uh, in the first week, Ryland uh, talked to us about Jacob and his wrestling match with God. He called it WrestleMania. And last week, we looked at Moses and, and the burning bush. But, you know, God can do it however he wants to. With Balaam, it was a talking donkey. With Adam, uh, it was a walk in a garden. You know, the en encounter can take different forms. But what God does through the encounter is consistent. Uh, in, in Scripture, when God encounters someone face-to-face, the same things happen, and we need to recognize the pattern so that we can see how God works in our lives. So every time God met someone face to face, he would touch them, he would change them, and he would call them. He touched them. He showed himself to be strong on their behalf. He changed them. He, he, you know, a process of change took place in their life, and then he used them. He would place a call upon their life. And if you've been around Rockbrook for any length of time, you know that we are completely convinced that the best thing you can do is discover why God put you on this planet. What on earth am I here for? Because God has a purpose for every one of us. And, and people without a purpose, they perish. If you can't see a purpose in your life, then, then your life has no meaning and your dreams die and your spirit begins to shrivel and you just wind up working and paying bills trying to survive. That's not how God wants you to live. God doesn't want you to survive. He wants you to thrive. And he wants you to live at the highest level of meaning, at the highest level of significance. God has a purpose for you. And every encounter that you have with God points you, moves you to that purpose. You know, God touched Jacob. He, he wrestled with Jacob and wrenched his hip. 
And God changed Jacob. He changed his name, changed his character. He went from being Jacob the deceiver to being Israel, the prince of God. And then he used Jacob. He made him the patriarch of a great nation, the 12 tribes of Jacob, the nation of Israel. And we saw this encounter pattern with Moses uh, last week. Uh, God touched Moses. If you read the whole story of Moses, there's a point in that story where God gives Moses leprosy and then heals him of leprosy in order to demonstrate how powerful God is. Uh, God changed Moses. Uh, Moses was slow of speech. He, he was afraid to talk in front of people, and God made him a powerful speaker. And then God sent Moses on a mission. Moses led the nation of Israel out of Egypt and led them to the promised land. That's the pattern. And this week we're going to look at Isaiah's encounter. And we're going to see how God touches him, changes him, and calls him. And we do that so we can see how our encounter with God can affect us. So today in, in this encounter, I want to look at how God moves in the darkest days of your life. The, I want to talk about that day. And many of you have experienced that day in your life. And many of you are waiting for that to happen. And it'll happen. You know, it's that day. It's the worst emotional pain in your life. It's the day where you lost someone you love. It's the day where you were grieving bad news. And I've been a pastor long enough to know that often when that day hits, people have a tendency to blame God for the pain. They have a tendency to blame God for it. In fact, they think on that day that God has abandoned them. But I want you to know that on that day, the Bible makes it very clear that in your darkest moments, God is close to you. Let, let's look at, at Psalm 34, 18. Let's read this one out loud together. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. God sees you in your broken condition, and God moves in close to you in those moments. And I want you to learn to recognize that that's what's happening on that day, in your darkest day, so that you can benefit from it. You know, when pain comes into my life, how can I have a better response to pain? How can I have a better response to pain? And often we think, well, wait a minute, I thought it was God's job to keep pain out of my life. But it's God's job to protect me from pain. The Bible never promises that. God never promises that. In fact, Jesus Christ says that surely in this world, uh, you're going to have trouble. Trouble with a capital T, and that rhymes with P, and that stands for pain. Okay? <laughs> Bible says man is born to trouble as surely as the sparks fly upward. And so God's plan was, was never to rescue you from all the pain, God's plan was to build you and to uh, use you through the pain. Because we're bound to have trouble. In the, you know, no pain uh, happens in heaven. Uh, you know, there will be a day where there will be no more crying, no more weeping, no more tears, no more torment, no more trouble, no more pain. But, but that place is in heaven. That's not here on earth. If you trust in Jesus Christ, you can go to heaven. But here... Now, on that day, on the day of your greatest pain, you can know that God is close to you. 
That's what God does when pain comes into your life. He moves in close to you. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. And I can tell you from my own personal experience that the greatest moments of spiritual growth in my life did not come on my best days. They actually came on the hard days, even on the worst days. You know, now, pain does not have to be a problem. Pain can be a platform that God uses to do a work in your life. But you have to know how to recognize it. Because everything in us seeks to resist pain. We don't like it. We don't want it. We want to avoid it. Uh, but, but the harsh reality is no pain, no gain. And that's a phrase that they use a lot at the gym. And I know that right now you're thinking, that guy's never been in a gym in his life. Okay? Uh, but that's not true. Uh, actually, uh, uh, for a time, I had a personal trainer. And I've spent time uh, in, in a gym. And I had a personal trainer who would yell at me and call me names uh, in order to motivate me to new heights of fitness. <laughs> And, um, uh, you know, I, I, I remember the first time I went to work out with the guy, and I got there, and all we did was just the stretching exercises before we started to work out, and, uh, and not even at the end of the stretching exercises, I literally collapsed on the floor and sucking air, and the guy looks down and goes, oh, no, I've killed the pastor. <laughs> and, uh, but I moved through it. You know, I, I gained, and then I'd get to the point where I'd come, and I'd thought, man, this really hurts. You know, this is, oh, there's, uh, there's pain here. And he'd say, oh, well, Nancy boy, no pain, no gain. And he would taunt me into pain for my benefit. And everything in me would say, why am I doing this? This, this hurts. And I'd talk to people at the gym, and they would, you know, they'd say, oh, man, you know, you get pumped, or, you know, you get a lifter's high when, when you work out, or, or uh, runner's. Uh, they'll talk about the runner's high. Oh, pastor, if you just run far enough, fast enough, long enough, you'll get a runner's high. And uh, I've actually had a different experience. Um, you know, I have, I have, at home I have a chair, and it's got a little button on the side of it, and whenever I push the button, the, the, uh, my feet go up, and I lean back in the, uh, the chair, and I get a recliner's high. <laughs> Everything in us resists pain, but the biblical truth is pain serves a great purpose in our lives. And so I want us to look today at Isaiah's amazing encounter with God. Uh, Isaiah actually saw God in person uh, on his day. Uh, it says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And, you know, the, the year that the, the leader of the nation of Israel died, someone that Uzziah respected, or Isaiah respected, that, you know, Uzziah was a fairly good king. He started out his kingdom honoring God, lost his way uh, toward the end, didn't finish well. The nation actually fell, and King Uzziah died. And it was in that turmoil that Isaiah says, I saw the Lord. And on that bad day, Isaiah saw three things, and they're the same three things that you can see on your bad day if you know to look for them. And my job is to prepare you for that bad day, to teach you what to look for when the bad day hits you, because it's coming. And you're thinking, well, thanks for the encouraging word, Pastor. Uh, can't you be more positive? And yes, I, I can be more positive. I'm positive that your bad day is coming. Okay? And when it happens, 
Here's what you want to look for. Same thing Isaiah saw. He says, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And the, the train of his robe, the train of a king's robe represented his majesty. And, you know, we, we don't have kings and, and queens in our culture, so the closest thing we've got really is a bride. And, you know, a, a bride's train that speaks of her majesty. You know, the, the greater the bride, the greater the train. And the same is, is true for a king. His train represents his majesty. And God's train was so big that it filled up the whole temple. And there's just, there wasn't room for anybody else in there. And above him were seraphim. These are angels. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now think about that. It means God's glory is everywhere. God's glory is in my problems. God's glory is there when my spouse dies. God's glory is there in my cancer diagnosis. God's glory is there when I lose my job. God's glory is there when my car breaks down. God's glory is bigger than any problem you will face. And if you will recognize it, you will sense God drawing close to you in your brokenness. You will see God working on behalf of you in your problems. You'll see God's train fill the temple. And, and look at this. At the sound of their voices, the angels, the doorposts and thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. You know, doorposts and thresholds represent the very foundation of our lives. They're, they're, they're the strongholds. I mean, where do you go when there's an earthquake? Well, you stand in a doorway because that's the, the safest place to stand. And even as the doorposts and thresholds shake, we realize God's got this. God, God's got this. On that day when you are in pain, I hope you will recognize that when something is happening to me, God wants to reveal himself in me. When something's happening to me, God wants to reveal himself in me. And I, tr I truly believe that when you and I have problems in our lives, that's when God's doing his deepest work in us. You know, we often miss it, but that's what's going on. And I think that when we get to heaven and we can, we can look back on all those times in our lives and we can see it from God's perspective in heaven, I, I think one of the things that we're going to do in heaven is just, <laughs> that's what God was doing. Oh, look at that difficult season in my life. <laughs> that's what God was doing. I think for the first 300 years in heaven, we're just all going to walk around with big red marks on our forehead <laughs> from just smacking our head all the time finally recognizing what God was doing. I want you to get a head start on that right now. I, I want you to catch a vision for how big, how majestic God is, that, that you serve a God whose train fills the temple. You serve a God who is bigger than all your problems. Isaiah said, yes, King Uzziah died, but I've got a God whose train fills the temple. You get that on the inside of you so that when your bad day comes and you recognize it, you rely on it, you respond to it, it'll make a difference. 
Then Isaiah says, Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And I think this is a common response that we have when we encounter the holiness of God. You know, even as we just read through the Bible, even as we do our, our daily readings, we're just confronted with, with the greatness, with the righteousness of God. And, and we tend to shrink back uh, from God because we recognize our uncleanness. We think, whoa, who am I? I, I shouldn't be here. Uh, when we see God clearly, we see ourselves clearly. We get a revelation of who God is, and we get a revelation of who we are. And, and I think it's a good revelation, but we often have a bad response. Because our response, then, is to pull back from God. And that's not the response that God wants us to have. You know, once again, our human nature fails us by, by making us pull away from the righteousness of God. God doesn't want us to pull away. He wants us to draw near to him. It's the difference between a response of condemnation and a response of conviction. Condemnation is the response of the flesh. It's a response that comes out of our fallen nature. Frankly, it's a response that comes out of the devil's influence on mankind. Condemnation doesn't come from God. It comes from the devil. It comes from the flesh, from the self. Self-condemnation, Satan-condemnation. Conviction comes from God. It comes from the Spirit. And conviction is the revelation that God is righteous, that God is glorious and majestic, and that God is bigger than any problem that you've got. Conviction is the revelation that God is not your accuser. God is your Savior. God doesn't want you to run from His glory. God wants you to hide yourself in His glory. Don't run from that train. Wrap yourself in it. Hide yourself in the folds of that train. So condemnation shames us for what we've done. That's condemnation. It's, it's shame-based. Conviction shows us how we can change. You know, conviction is about repentance and life change. It's about a way out. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar, with it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. The angel takes one of the coals that, that's on the altar where the sacrifices have been offered for sin unto God. And he touches the coal from those sacrifices onto Isaiah's lips to purify Isaiah. See, you, you don't solve your sin problem by being good. God solves your sin problem by being God. There's a huge difference. He forgives us. He cleanses us. He touches us. He changes us. And then comes the calling. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? You know, God, God looks right at Isaiah, who just had a revelation of how big God is and how small he is. And God looks down at him and says, Whom shall I send? He says, who will go for us? And notice it's us, and there's the Trinity right there. It's God the Father, God the Spirit, God the Son. I'll, I'll say unto Isaiah, hey, we, we got a plan for your life. And Isaiah said, here I am, send me. And he responded to the call that God placed on his life. 
When you have a God encounter in your darkest days, this is what you want to look for on your notes. Uh, you, you want to look for how big God is, how God wants to do a work inside of you. Because when we see ourselves clearly, we see our future clearly. And God wants to take your bad day and use it as a springboard to something great. Your greatest ministry is going to come out of your greatest misery. It's going to come out of your greatest hurt, your greatest pain. It's just a life principle that we see over and over again in the Bible. And we see it in the Old Testament, in, in the story of Joseph. You know, Joseph uh, was uh, in a large family, had several brothers, and his dad honored him and, and uh, actually uh, kind of uh, treated him differently, spoiled him, in fact. Gave him a coat of many colors and uh, made his brothers very jealous of him. And so Joseph's brothers decided that they wanted to kill him. And then, uh, so they beat him up, threw him in a pit, and they were kind of drawing straws to see who was going to get to do the final deed. And then they realized, no, wait a minute, instead of killing him, let's just sell him into slavery into the land of Egypt. And so they sold him to a caravan that took him off out of Israel down into Egypt. And there he worked as a slave for a number of years and then wound up in prison uh, for a number of years. And then eventually the hand of God worked in his life and he wound up moving from the prison to the palace and became uh, one of the leaders of the land of Egypt. Famine occurred in the land of Israel and his brothers uh, came down to Egypt in order to get food. And they wind up in front of Joseph, the brother that they had tried to kill. And Joseph is able to help them. Look what he says. He says, you intended to harm me. You intended to harm me. You beat me. You threw me in a pit. You sold me into slavery. I wound up in prison. And you meant every bit of it. You intended to harm me. But God, but God intended it all for good. And he brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. He saved the lives of the nation of Israel. He saved the lives of the very brothers who wanted to kill him. We see it in the New Testament. Apostle Paul says, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. It does not say that God causes everything. It says God causes everything to work together for the good. God can take that bad day in your life and use it for your good. And he can call you according to his purpose on that day. He calls you to redefine your bad day to become a springboard for the purpose that God has for your life. My pain is either a jail that imprisons me or a school that empowers me. And God is actually at work when you feel your worst. So there's a purpose in my pain. How do you respond on that day? Number one, stop running from God and run to God. Uh, on your bad day, your mind and emotions are going to tell you that God has abandoned you, but he hasn't. He hasn't. The Bible says when you're brokenhearted, God is close. So don't follow the typical human reaction and run from God. Instead, listen to the Spirit and run to God. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. And if you're here today and you've been running from God, your pain is not going to get any better. Running from God does not lessen your pain. 
And you may think that running from God is somehow punishing him for hurting you. But you're not punishing God, you're punishing yourself. Some of you, you're not running from God, you're just not running to him. You know, you've decided that you're going to put enough trust in God, you're going to put enough of yourself into this Christianity thing to get your fire insurance so you can go to heaven when you die, but, but you're not jumping in uh, totally. And so you're not running to God. And your life's not going to get any better because you will never fully experience what God has for you until you seek him. Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And some of you have never done that. That's why you don't even like your life. That's why there's no satisfaction in your life. There's no satisfaction in your work, in your marriage, in anything. And your satisfaction level is determined by how much you seek God. Are you seeking him with all your heart? Are you running toward him? Next, you need to take the steps to grow. Take the steps to grow. You, you want to be prepared for that bad day by growing. You know, one of the reasons why bad days can kick your tail is because there's no depth to your life. You're like a floaty in the ocean. Wherever the waves go, that's where the floaty goes. You, you need to be like a ship on the ocean. You know the difference between a floaty and a ship? Uh, the difference is weight, stability, maturity, strength, depth. You know, it's time to grow. You know, are you going to heaven? Yeah, but you're like a floaty till you get there. You're tossed around to and fro. No, it's time to grow. First Peter says, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk. Like newborn babies. You ever been around a newborn baby that's hungry? Everybody in the room is trying to solve that problem. Okay? You know, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Take the steps to grow. If you've never been baptized, if you're a believer and you've never been baptized, that's a step you need to take. You know, Jesus Christ clearly commands that if you're a believer, you need to get baptized. You know, just do it. It's an act of obedience. It's a step of growth. And if you're not in a small group yet, you're getting knocked around by the waves, it's time to give yourself some weight, some depth, some stability. You know, being in a small group is a step of growth. It, it makes a difference in your life. It, it's not too late to get in a group. Yeah, we've had a couple, three sessions, but we've got plenty more to go. And so, you know, sign up for a group. Get plugged in. If you're not having a quiet time every day, it's time to build that habit into your life. Uh, you know, pick up a 40 days uh, prayer journal uh, or start in. You know, the thing I love about this journal is the days aren't dated. It's just 40 days. It can be any 40 days. So some of us, you know, we're on day 14. Well, you can jump in. This is your day one. Uh, you know, but it's a step of growth. If you've never learned to trust God with your tithe, to put him first in your finances, that's one of the areas. In fact, it's the only area where God says, test me, try me. God says, start tithing, see if I don't provide for you. It's how you grow. Number three, allow God to use what I've been through to help others. 
Instead of staggering around in that pain and hurt, God wants to turn your pain and hurt into a healing balm that will help and comfort other people. God uses broken, imperfect people like you and me to accomplish his perfect will. It's a miracle. It's an amazing thing that he does it. But that's what he do. That's what he do. And he wants to do that with you. 2 Corinthians 1 says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Listen, folks, the area where you hurt the most is the area where you'll be able to help the most. Your greatest misery is going to become your area of your greatest ministry. But in order for God to use that hurt, you've you got to get healed and you've got to grow. You need to let God touch you and change you and call you. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for the wonderful way that you work in each of our lives. God, I thank you for the hope of heaven, the hope of that place that is perfect and pain-free. But God, I thank you for your presence here on earth and for the work that you use, that the pain can be a platform for you to fulfill your purpose in our life. And so God, I pray that each of us today would turn to you, run to you, wrap ourselves in the folds of your glory. Find that healing that you offer to us. Change us. Build us up, God. Make us strong. And then use us in a mighty way for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.